Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Do you know the Bible tells us, before I ask, he already knows what I need. But he wants me to ask, but it doesn't do any good if God then provides for us and the money monster takes over again. So we have to come back to this point where we learn to be content. Why? Because I have security and I have peace and I have provision. Wealth doesn't bring that. A relationship with God brings it. See, the world can't understand that. They don't get it. Why does God want you to ask him for stuff when he knows what you want before you ask? Probably only God knows. One thing asking God does for you is it helps you to focus on what's really important for your life. You start to think about your priorities in relationship to serving God and doing your best for him. Pastor Mark's teaching today will try to do the same thing. He wants you to think about what's really important as a Christ follower and for you to ask God to help you become a better servant of God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 13 as he continues his message, Ah, Contentment. I remember our first apartment, Linda and I. 1967, one bedroom, little apartment upstairs, 90 bucks a month, including electricity. Praise God. (laughs) We had fun there. We made a baby there. It was exciting. It was good. It was simple. Something went wrong, call the landlord. Today, I have to pay for somebody to come out big time, right? Because I'm stupid. I can't fix anything like that. It's just the way God made me. I'm studying for you. It's your fault. But let's be honest. Wealth brings more worry, brings more worry. Worry brings more tension. Intention destroys sleep. And then sleeplessness brings more anxiety, more fear. Relationships don't flow right. It's just amazing. By the way, what do you think in the United States and much of the world, what do you think about sleeplessness the last 10 nights? You think there's been an increase? Has there been an increase in you? See, most of us haven't got our statements yet. Wait till you get it. And you'll see that your net worth in one week. Let me give you another scenario. The rapture comes. 
all believers on the earth who are alive immediately go to heaven. Of course, those who have died in Christ, they come down, meet their bodies, they go to heaven. We're left on the earth for another seven-year period. It's a period of, well, it's called the tribulation. First three and a half years will be difficult. The last three and a half years is called the great tribulation. It'll be very difficult. Because for the very first time, we're going to see God's wrath on a world that has rejected him. Now, people will get saved during that time. They will realize that they missed it. Maybe those were the ones who wealth became their God. But let's just think about it. If we were meeting during that tribulation period, all of us had a little understanding of what took place, but here we are, and I'm teaching to you, I didn't make it, and I'm teaching you, probably wouldn't even be allowed to do this, but let's just say we're allowed to do this, I'm teaching you. What am I going to tell you is coming? Is it going to be worse than what happened to the Hebrews? In the book of Hebrews, where they went home and they had a home, but half their income was gone and half this, it was going to be worse? Oh, it's going to be way worse. Why is it going to be that way? Remember what I said to you at the beginning. Money equals what? Power. Revelation 13. The Antichrist, he also forced everyone, small, great, rich, poor, free, or slave, to receive a mark on the right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, the mark of the beast, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. During those days, that seven-year tribulation, Satan will use this earthly ruler, the Antichrist, to try to keep control of every person who is living. When this takes place, we will have a one-world government, a one-world religion, which is going to be worshiping the Antichrist, and a one-world economy. That one-world economy will be basically a cashless society, where every financial transaction can be monitored electronically. You say, well, how will that happen? Well, again, that mark of the beast. We know all of that kind of stuff is available. I want to show you, the reason you really have to use this card, almost everybody, the 8 million or whatever that live in Hong Kong, 8 million people live in this very small thing. So they don't have time to stop and never give cash. They don't have time on their subway to stop and get change or put a coin in. So everybody buys an octopus card. We did the same thing. And you can go to your 7-Eleven or anywhere else and just queue it up, add more to it all the time. So this is the cashless society. That's how you shop in many stores. That's how you get around with transportation, that you can buy food with this. There's just a million ways you can use it. This is the beginning of a cashless Society. It's already in place in our world today. It's not something bizarre or weird. It's a picture of what's happening. The stage is being set. Now, someone has said this very wisely. 
If Wall Street gets a cold, Japan, Hong Kong, and London, and the rest of the world start sneezing immediately. Did you see what happened the last week? We're headed to what? A one-world economy. We're headed there. This is not a coincidence, guys. All that we've been studying in the Bible is coming. So I have to watch two things. One, that my wealth doesn't become my God. Because we live in a country where we're wealthy. Number two, I have to learn to be content. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Paul would say he could be content whether he had much or nothing. Anybody arrived there yet? I haven't. But that brings us to our second key. Notice Hebrews 13.5. Go back there if you will. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Command number two. Be content with what you have. In other words, you be content with what you have. What does the word content really mean? It simply means this, fully satisfied with whatever God brings into my life. You see, Jesus knew that the money monster would never satisfy us. King Solomon was able to have everything your wild imagination could come up with. And he pursued it all in that book of Ecclesiastes with these words. It's all emptiness. It's simply a waste of time. Solomon warned against being discontent. Notice Proverbs 23, 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. And my question to me and you is, are you? Are you showing a little bit of restraint? There was a story about a monk, and I thought it's a great story to share with you. They asked a monk this. In all your journeys around the world, who do you like to work with best? The rich or the poor? His answer was, the rich. The interviewer said, well, why? He said, the poor live under the delusion that money can bring happiness. The rich already know it cannot. Since we live as rich people in the world, not many people richer than us, have we learned that? Have you and I learned that more doesn't bring contentment? It's something we have to work with. You know something? It'll sound strange to you. I have this written in my Bible. This discontent is part of our nature, our sin nature. Remember where Adam and Eve were placed? They were placed in the garden. Could there be a better place? Everything they ever wanted, and they didn't need an octopus card. It was free. And then God gave them a choice. Serve me as God, 
or determine your own way. And what did they do? They determined their way. See, discontent is part of me. It's part of you. I have to fight it. It's the old sin nature that doesn't want to. But the writer says, you be content with what you have. I have to fight that. You have to fight that. I'm not talking against stuff. I'm talking about an attitude of our hearts. Contentment has nothing to do with how much we have. You ought to know that. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. Contentment comes from one thing, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, that's what this verse says. Notice, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you or never will I forsake you. Contentment doesn't come from stuff. It doesn't come from my 401k. It doesn't come from my good looks. It doesn't come from this. It doesn't come from that. It comes from one thing, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Without that relationship, a person can never be content. And that's why Jesus says to us that basically a person is empty without God. Remember the rich man? Bill Barnes, bigger Barnes, more stuff, bigger thing, larger TV, and boom, 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 boom. Nothing. Fool. You're gone. It's over. So all of us have to be stimulated by these words tonight because we're in a society that's a little strange. Philippians 4.11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Write this next statement down. I think it's very important. Contentment is independent of our circumstance. That's very hard for us. That's very hard for us. But contentment is independent of our circumstances. Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need. See, the name and claim it people do not have that verse circled. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Aha! There is a secret. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned the secret. Paul says, look at 2 Corinthians 6.10, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Is that amazing? You see, it's not about our circumstances. Let me give you an illustration. One of the reasons I like to go, and I encourage you, what I like often about mission trips is I get to be around people, and very often in different places you don't have a lot, and it doesn't really matter. When Pastor Dave and Joe went down to Haiti, when you're down to Haiti, you don't have a lot. You do have a lot of big roaches, you do have a lot of big rats, but you don't have a lot. And you're not Andrew Zimmer that's going to eat those suckers and deep fry them or whatever he does. But you get to learn that life isn't about the stuff. When we were there this time, I met this couple last year, Linda and I in Hong Kong. They're a young couple, I would say mid-30s at the most. Well, when I spoke at the missions conference, they were back again. They actually are in Hong Kong, and they kind of organize it. Here's what I discovered from them. 
They're both pharmacists from Southern California. And now in Southern California, definitely the two of them are making together probably $225,000 a year, maybe more. They left it all, and Hong Kong is their new home. And they're doing nothing but going to the underground church on the weekends, the state church on the weekends, and holding Bible studies all week long in their home. Being supported by Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa at very little money. But they're happy, they're content, and they're full of joy. Now, why do I like to see that? Well, because I was a pharmacist. And I gave up that lifestyle to come here. And I'm happy and content. And I love life. But I'm still working at being perfectly content regardless of the circumstance. Are you? Say yes. Don't lie in church. You absolutely are. Pastor Mark, this was an easy one. No, it is not an easy one. Easier actually in India. Easier actually in China. Easier actually in Haiti. Hard for us. That's why I gave you those scenarios from the front. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I ran across this. It's a Moroccan proverb. I want to see if anybody can help me with it. Better a handful of dried figs and content with that than to own the gate of peacocks and be kicked in the eye by a broody camel. (laughs) This is a Moroccan proverb. Could you help me with that? Does anybody have any clue what that means? A broody camel. I don't know that, but I do know two things. Number one. Contentment doesn't come naturally. And second, I can learn to be content. It's a process. It comes. Notice, why can I learn to be content? Go back to Hebrews 13.5. Maybe you're there. Second part of that again. Because God has said, what? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So I can learn to be content because I have the Lord. And his promise is that he will never leave me. God says to the, these persecuted Jewish converts, you can be content, you can be, because the great, remember Moses, the great I am is with you. I'll take care of you. David, the great king of Israel, would write it, you know it well. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. There's a verse to meditate on this week. I have all, when the bunny monster comes after you, I have all that I need. And it doesn't mean you say to your wife, honey, you can't have the new shoes, you can't have the whatever. God told me you can't have it. It's the will of God. Don't do that. We don't have time for that much counseling. That's not true. We're not talking about those kind of things. But it's the love of You see, if that gets a hold of me, I become unfruitful. In Mark chapter 4, that last person, 30, 60, and 100 fruitful. That's what I want to be. I want to use the stuff 
to be fruitful for God. The Christ follower has God. That's all you need. That's all I need. I have God. That's what Paul's saying to these people. We'll look at verse 6. So then, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I want you to read that last part. I want us to all read it out loud. I'll say the first part. So you can read it, whatever translation you have, doesn't matter. So we say with confidence, here we go. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? There is no better helper anywhere than God. Whatever you need, God already knows. Do you know the Bible tells us, before I ask, he already knows what I need. But he wants me to ask. But it doesn't do any good if God then provides for us and the money monster takes over again. So we have to come back to this point where we learn to be content. Why? Because I have security and I have peace and I have provision. Wealth doesn't bring that. A relationship with God brings it. See, the world can't understand that. They don't get it. I like the message in this verse, Matthew 6, 34. It says this, don't get worked up about tomorrow. Max Locato says this. I should have brought a vacuum cleaner. It's a great illustration. I'll do it again. Listen to what Max Locato says. Worry is to joy what a vacuum cleaner is to dirt. You might as well attach your heart to a happiness sucker and flip on the switch. That's a great illustration, isn't it? (laughs) There went my happiness. And is that true? That is so true. Jesus challenges us not to be worried about tomorrow, but simply to live one day at a time. When I thought of that, I thought of the song we sing sometimes. God is more, say it with me, more than a, more than enough. You know it. He's more than enough. Matthew 6, 11, New King James. This is what Jesus said. Give us this day our daily bread. I just want to go to the last verse, Colossians 3, 2. Here's what it says. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That keeps me in the right perspective. Remember, being content is not natural. My natural sin nature is to be discontent. But I can learn to be content because God is more than enough. And it doesn't really matter what happens with our economy. God's still in control. He has a plan. He's working it out. Pastor Mark taught today about the challenge of being a good steward of the things you have while not getting sucked into the mindset of always wanting more things. 
you were reminded that God loves you so much and wants you to remember that your time on earth is just a blip of your eternal existence. Your focus needs to be on treasures in heaven, not on earth. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Well, that brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's teaching, ah, contentment. Next time, he'll begin a new study called Real Security, Our Unchanging God. You'll be reminded of the unsteadiness of this world, and no matter how people try to make things stable, they're always changing. You'll learn about the absolute reliability of our Heavenly Father. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting